Hello and welcome to Everyday Journal number 109, your favorite, most susceptibly named bi-weekly legacy podcast. If you want to support the show directly, you can become a Patreon on patreon.com slash everydayjournal. We are back. Callum, how's it going? You, you just told me you went all around London to find the best place for your dogs to pee on. Did you find it? I just want to do that every time now. It sounds so good. <laughs> I've been waiting to open my beer Especially. until you start going. Like, um, yeah, I just took the dogs for a nice little walk. Um, they went for a nice long walk in the afternoon and then they like having like a nice evening walk just to, you know, get their energy spent out and stuff. Um, always nice talking to them, but I didn't go all around uh, London. I'll admit, London's quite now? a big place. Yeah, we're a dog podcast. I mean, we always have been. I mean, dogs are Oh, I didn't best. know about that. Are you a dog or a cat person? <laughs> the, me staying on the podcast d- depends here. Okay, well, I, I used to say I'm really very much a cat person, but over the last 10, 15 years, I really got into dogs because basically okay. my sister got a dog and my mother got a dog. And I used to be mortally scared of dogs because when I was a child, I grew up on a farm and like on a neighboring farm, they had a dog and I was just like playing with it. And it literally took my entire hand into its mouth and bit down on it. And I mean, it's still attached, but that that scared me for like <laughs> that's, for that's, life almost you know what that's fair um like being attacked by an, an animal when you're a kid is quite scarring so but anyway glad you're coming around because dogs are the best obviously still like cats but um in general though i'm in an amazing mood i just uh finished work for a week i've got tomorrow off just as like uh, the first chill holiday since basically covid got no plans basically apart from playing some magic and warhammer um we're having our monthly tomorrow our next london legacy monthly is tomorrow morning we've got like it's sold out within a week this time so we've got 40 people rocking out to play some nice legacy i'm not even playing myself like there were so many people wanting to play i half like gave my spot up but the other half was just i don't know i quite like just being around and watching it and i'm gonna take some pictures and it's gonna be just I, i'm so excited for it as as every single time so yeah, Dude, that sounds pretty- amazing, right? That, that yeah. that's kind of what you're striving for as a community. The people like like it so much; they just want to be part of it by hanging out. They don't even need to play. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's only me, but <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, I, I think there there are a few people coming along, and I've just said, yeah, come along. I'll play some games of Legacy. Like we're going to play some pre-modern to the side as well. Um, it's just going to be a good fun day, and then we'll cube in the evening and go to the pub, and it's just going to be lovely. Oh my yeah. god, I, I want to be there. But uh, by yeah. the way, you mentioned pre-modern. That format has been picking up a lot of a lot of steam, right? Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I I've seen it mentioned here and there casually, but all of a sudden, like in my local pre- play group, everybody's playing pre-modern, and, and I've heard a lot of people online talk about it. Is, is that the next big thing, or or is it's, it already? The it, thing? Cu- it it was gaining popularity, and it is also just really fun. Like it hits all the I think key nostalgic kind of elements where the the play is pretty good as well like it's there's nothing too degenerate and busted and stuff and you have like very different archetypes you have elves and sly and psychotog and like exalted angel decks and whatever and um i think people were just realizing it's really fun to play and it gets that nostalgic feeling going and there's like all these different archetypes plus um the professor the Talarian professor guy he did a video on it not too long ago so it exploded from that i mean i was in a Aww. facebook group getting all the notifications because i like to see what was going on with it and then there's just a huge influx of new players um and <laughs> all just like so excited to play it and to learn about it and they're all just like oh my god slide was my first deck when i started playing 10 years ago or whenever it was and it's just so cool to see people like you know falling in love again with their old favorites and stuff so yeah, it's it's a really fun thing to play. So I think I've got like five or six decks. So I'm going to bring them tomorrow. Wow! <laughs> yeah, basically, basically, all it took for me to really get the pre-modern bug, even though I haven't played it yet, was um, somebody sent me a link to 
is there like the central pre-modern website or something? Because mm-hmm. I went to a place like that and it had like deck lists for, I don't know, the 10 most popular decks in the format. And I was like, <gasps> like you mentioned the guy, right? Oh, I used yes. to play this. And, and I look at this like, oh my God, this is basically like old extended almost. And oh. it is very similar. Um, I think it might be a bit out of date unless they've updated it since I last went there. So the, the metagame's been evolving and there's like Blue White Standstill is one of the best decks and stuff as well. Um, but the moment I saw decks with Master Corin and Madness with Wild Mongrel as well, I was like, I'm just so sold. So I think when I ordered some, some Master Corrin when they came in, I was just like staring at them just like lovingly, oh God, you know, Mastercore. like Gollum, my, my baby. I love it so much. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to say Master Corrin is one of the biggest legends of the game as a creature just because of how much it dominated. It's like it's up there with, with Morphling and stuff for me. It's Yeah, it's iconic completely. And there's just no, nothing else to say about it. Absolutely. Yeah, the um, card, like that, that card taught me so much that I, I guess like the, the most important thing the card taught me is that the, the upkeep is before the draw steps. So yes. <laughs> I, I used to yeah, use yeah. my Mastika so many times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I did the same as well. Um, the old, like, I guess standard, I can't remember if it was actually standard or extended, but the old Tinker deck was my first deck I ever built that I like net decked. Um, when I was super, super young, like we, we just played like multiplayer with 120 card decks. And I used to, I had a mono black deck with, um, nightmare and like 10 hand of deaths and stuff and then the first deck i built as i said like net decking was was the tinker deck with master cores and like stroke of genius and mishra's helix and crumbling sanctuary and so yeah i was gonna say crumbling sanctuary as well right for axiom processor processor plus voltaic key is just it's the original twin there we go that is the original twin (laughs) slow twin (laughs) slow twin yeah have you ever watched that match between Bob Maha and, and Sean Frankel on ESPN? Like, I want to say something. I don't know if I've watched it over 50 or over 100 times, but it's okay, okay. a lot, a lot. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. Actually, I'm going to put in the show notes. Let me let me um, put a note down here in our show notes. Finker versus Maha. Yeah. Okay. This, this match is like, I won't put many spoilers, but like when you have people pumping out so many 1919s and they're both at one life and then the crumbling sanctuary comes along, it's just and then the the colossus anyway i, I won't spoil it too much it's just <laughs> i'm getting super super excited Dude, I, I was super excited to hear that yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> so you, you're headed for like an amazing weekend right yep so yeah legacy all day tomorrow sunday pretty chill um i might play the challenge actually it's been like literally three months since i played a magical line challenge i'm usually doing things on sundays and just out and kind of haven't been enjoying the weather and stuff um but i've got a whole week of doing nothing so i might as well do more nothing awesome how about you? I know you've been playing like a bunch of Legacy and Paper as well recently, and uh, you're back to work as well. What have you been up to in general? Yeah, yeah. Like first of all, I've been back to work. I've been working from the office again, like the I old nine to five. You've been loving it, right? It's the best, dude. It's <laughs> it's the difference is insane. Like yeah. after working from home for one and a half years with like a proper computer and like three screens and 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 technology, mm-hmm. I literally went back to the Stone Age. Like it. <laughs> I put it in the show notes that my PC at work is literally melting my brain. You know the thing when you have like a super slow system because your your memory is full and, and everything is going on and you click something, basically like what it feels like to be on a computer while Magic Online is booting up, right? When the card images aren't loaded yet, except this is my perpetual state for eight hours a day. And I click something and it takes like five seconds to register. And I'm like, how did I ever spend like several years on this computer? I literally can't comprehend it's like a no going back thing, isn't it? So I think you're yeah. you're gonna have to find something. Break it on yeah, purpose I mean, and then have to order a new one. 
yeah, immediately, like, I, I, I texted the person in charge, and I was like, I need a new computer, like, this, this is just, like, this is not working, I, I'm literally going home now, and, like, I, a couple of days, like, I literally went home early, because I just couldn't take it anymore, mm-hmm. and um, then, I, then I hit up Min, and I was like, Min, I just, like, need a proper office PC, and he, he, he approved the one I suggested, and that one also got approved by the person in charge, and now we got that, and now I got really pissed because I don't have, like, a tablet for um, our trade fair, because we're, like, we're doing the thing now where nothing's printed anymore and everything is digital, which is, like, mm-hmm. good, but also, like, you need something to present it. Like, if everything is digital, but you don't have a laptop or a tablet, it's like, yeah, everything's digital. I have this <laughs> QR code. Good. Thank you for coming to a trade fair. <laughs> yeah. Good to people like, I promise you it's really good. I swear. You can't see it. It's that good. Maybe. I mean, maybe I could even do that, with, but yeah. <laughs> so now we we are on like a proper tablet. So I'm I'm looking nice. forward to the trade fair because that's my favorite one of the year. It's for divers, and divers are probably the best cast, guests you could ever wish for. They're just like so chill, and oh man, yeah. I, I, I can, if you ever want to open a hotel, like make it specific to divers because divers are amazing. Noted. It was on my to do list actually to open a hotel. So <laughs> I will I will do a dive bar hotel. A dive bar. We actually wanted to do that, but the KWS, the, the Kenyan um, Wildlife Service, they were like, you, you know, this is a national park and we can't really allow you to open like a floating bar inside it. So, so we put like, um, we, we build it onto the shore and, and now it's also really cool. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's my work um, for Legacy. We we had our second um, paper tournament, uh, the first one I attended, um, because now I'm double vaccinated, like the first one I, I didn't want to go to because I wasn't yet, but that was, oh. I saw some pictures great. and uh, there's some cool people there as well. Looks so fun. It's such a it's such an amazing place as well. It's called Asetara in, in Freising. And and we've been going there for almost ten years to play Legacy on, on Tuesday nights. And they are so incredibly chill. Um they, they they just allow us to have the place. They're like, okay, everybody just like pays five euros extra, which go but that that that's also a voucher. So if you wanna like if you buy for example two drinks over like the entire tournament, you're already you're already like basically broke even and a lot of people afterwards they just stay for dinner and everything and recently we expanded now the next one is gonna allow more than 32 because usually like 40 people or something want to play and they were like okay if you need uh, we told them we need maybe one more hour because we need to play an extra round and we <laughs> apparently like that was like the really big thing like oh do we have to start early and i, I was just like told that they told us well, no big deal. We just open an hour later. If you guys need more time, it's all fine. Like what? That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really really cool, and it's it's so huge. Like it could probably fit way more than that, but I mean, COVID and stuff. Like it's mm-hmm. probably like not what's happening right now. But this this thing, especially once um, the COVID situation hopefully gets better next year, this thing could really be, become the place to play. I want to say legacy at least in southern Germany. Like I, I don't want to be like, oh, we're the biggest because I'm not too familiar with like what goes on in northern and like the the, the rural area and stuff. Uh, and then also there's a, like a really big tournament in in Aalen and Tübingen. So I just want to say this is one of the biggest places to play legacy in Germany, and it's growing and it's absolutely amazing. And one of the big things is the allows proxies, so it attracts so many people. And oh, I'm, I'm just loving it. I'm, I'm really <laughs> just loving it. It's it's just you just want to gush about it. It's I, th- I see similarities with when we started the London thing because we were always getting kind of good weekly numbers, and I think you used to get great weekly numbers at the same place or somewhere different. We used to play in a pub, um, 
but we never had monthlies and we like asked all the shops to do it and they you know one of them kind of took the piss and like I charged 25 pounds entry and there was a savannah first place and obviously no one turned up because it was ridiculous and so we were just like okay fine if none of you all fucking do it we're gonna do it and then obviously after we started doing well and selling out all the shops came to us and like hey actually we will host you it was like no too late we're gonna we prove, <laughs> it's proof what you can do and like at the beginning we were getting like 15 20 people and we were thrilled with that we were so happy and then towards the end we got like 64 for a few times and stuff and um again now the fact that we're off the bat you know selling out and stuff it shows that i know london's like a bigger city and you know it's there's probably more people here that play legacy and then smaller places but i think if anyone's like you know wanting to find a community and they feel like they don't have it in their city or towns and stuff like you know this this place in Frising as well as proof that you can just like find a restaurant, make this kind of deal. I think a lot of restaurants now are probably, you know, really happy to have people in as well. And you just, you know, it will be what you make of it. Get people together, allow proxies. You know, you don't need to you don't need to do prizes like very much even. People just want to play. So it's just awesome seeing these other things popping up. Even though you've been been there for a long time, just seeing these paper things come back and, you know, the numbers are great. Like people are just dying to play legacy and paper again. So I'm here for <laughs> yeah. it. I, I was going to say, like, I don't even remember what the prices were, but on the other hand, also, I got crushed. Like, I think they do prizes for the top 50%, so it's not super top heavy, mm-hmm. um, but I got crushed. I went two and three. I actually, I, I came, I arrived late. Somehow I thought it was like half an hour later. And like, when it started, I got a text and I was like, Julian, where, where are you? I'm like, hey, I'm on my way. I'm about to be there. So yeah, the round is already starting. <laughs> so that was super nice of them because my, my opponent decided to wait the extra 15 minutes and we got like a 15 minute time extension. Oh, that's sweet. Which turns out we didn't need. I was playing Green, White, Black, Maverick and he played he played madness and he totally crushed me i think both games he put something like 12 to 15 power yep. on the first turn and yep. I, yeah I, I was like okay mother of runes go and it's like <laughs> all the monsters in the world <laughs> this oh, is like the worst mother. horror movie ever yeah yeah oh, i freaking <laughs> love that deck i actually top eighted or top forward the the last monthly with that deck on the sunday it was so fun you just, you oh, just... oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you told me about that. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Super fun deck. Um, how did the rest of the thing go? Uh, you said you didn't uh, do well, but I want to hear Yeah, well, who cares, right? But yeah, <laughs> I, I played the heavy anti elves. Um, not only main deck, but sideboard. Like, I, I think I had like four canonists. I had, I had two main deck plague engineers. I had two main deck spirit of labyrinth. I had. I had way more. I, I don't even remember. Like, I think I had four more dedicated anti-Fs cards. You're, you're like this that arsehole mo- that fosters a family. You're like, yes, I love you, Korean Ranger. I love you. I've got you a job finally. You know, I love you, all my beautiful elf friends. And then you just come out and murder them all. It's just... I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I remember when I played Top Miracles and I played at some tournament in Italy and I crushed Fs twice. I felt so bad because... You know, they knew that I yeah, was yeah. kind of like Fs and, and they were like, dude, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> but yeah, um, I think when, when you play a deck, you, you develop an understanding about how it beats hate. And and there's always that thing, right, where where we joke about how Miracles players are always most concerned about the mirror or Delver players are always like so concerned about the mirror. It's just like when, when you understand the power you're wielding, it's it's like oh, I, I gotta put so much against it, and and mm-hmm. I guess that's part of it. But yeah, um, I got destroyed. Oh yeah, by the way, I also played two even even mind sensors. <laughs> I played everything and got optique. <laughs> I mean, you, you just love mind sensors anyway. Yeah, that that card is so good. But oh yeah, actually, the reason I played that is um because it also 
basically covers against Doomsday really well, and it's also really good in the Burrow when people are trying to do like Night of Reliquary and trying to dig up equipment and Green Sun Sentinel and stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's why I'm a big fan of the Mind Sensor. But yeah, um, I got I got Madness in the first round. In the second round, I, I managed to beat um, Buck Chain of Smog. I want to say it wasn't like the all-in Chain of Smog deck. It was basically like Buck with all the Buck stuff mm-hmm. and the Chain of Smog combo. Um, I I got actually paid off in the second game. In the, in the second game, it went super, super slowly. Like, nothing happened from their side, even though they kept seven. And I had this hand that could really explode if I just tapped out for a single turn, but I didn't want to tap out of my salts to plowshares. So after, like, three turns or four turns, I was like, maybe I really messed this up. Maybe I should have just, like, ter- tapped out this one turn for Night of Early Query and then just, like, gone wasteland, 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 and then the game. And that was this exact moment when they found their fourth land, and they went, like, what's it called? Riverbloom Apprentice or something? Yeah. Uh, in into chain of smog and I had the sorts of plowshares and they like they even had to target themselves so they basically like I mean that's how you'd play the chain yeah, of smog they, right they go hellbent and you just sort it they literally lost everything and that was I, I felt so rewarded for making the my conservative play which is not always correct mm-hmm. but basically the, the way it worked like the way I think about it is they kept seven and they missed their fourth land drop and they hadn't played anything on the board before and I'm, in my head I'm like. Like, how does that make sense? Did they keep, like, the most reactive hand? But what are they going to do? Like, they didn't fatal push my dry out, but, like, what's it going to be? Like, I couldn't, like, piece together a hand in my head that that you would keep there unless, like, you you keep already kept, like, a marginal hand and you literally only drew crap. But obviously they didn't because they missed a land drop. So in my head, like, it just didn't make sense. So I just, I mean, like... I want to make sense of this. I'm going to keep the sorts of plowshares open. And if if I just like fade away in the game because I didn't put too much stuff on the table early on, so be it. But yeah, that actually felt super rewarding to, to get the win that way. Yeah, nice. It's a good read. And what happened after? Oh yeah, afterwards I played against the, the Sagavan, blue-white-red Sagavan deck. <laughs> I, mean, I played... What, you what's sound the opposite sad, but... of... No, 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 I'm happy. What's okay. the opposite of a nemesis? Uh... I should know that. <laughs> My mind is blanking. You, you uh, should really? I don't know. <laughs> it's just like a friend, I guess. But that's not the word for it. My, my friend, yeah. Okay, let's call it. <laughs> let's say I, I played against no, no, my no. best legacy friend. Um, yeah. I'm literally 9-0 and against him in yes. our legacy history. Like, I didn't oh. even notice that until, like, I was, like, 5 or 6-0. And, and every time we played, he was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm coming to, to pick up my loss again. I'm like, what? What's going on? He's like, you're undefeated against me. No. <laughs> and we keep going and going. And it's, yeah, I, I won again on the back of Choke. Like, Choke totally devastated him. And that's all she wrote, pretty much. I just Googled uh, opposite of um, Nemesis. And it's saying friend or ally. So, ha, ally. I was kind of right. You you you're amazing, dude. <laughs> <laughs> totally yes, but poor guy. I hope he gets you one day, uh, guy. If you're he, listening, he, he got me once in modern. I don't even remember what we played, but in legacy, it's yeah. So I guess overall we're like one and nine. <laughs> okay, that's not too bad. Pulling it back. Awesome. Yeah, and then what happened afterwards? Oh yeah, afterwards I got destroyed by elves. <laughs> justice, so much justice. You so <laughs> deserve that. Games. <laughs> you so deserve that. Oh. <laughs> I was waiting. I it's like, it. oh, I hope he played against elves and like get crushed. Obviously, did they just like do the like the nut flop and which like turn three kills and? No, like the hand wasn't even all that good. Like I, th- I think in the in the first game, actually maybe I stole a game. I don't even remember. No, actually I didn't steal a game. Like I had I had Garotique, which 
held them like back uh, so much. I think after the game, they, they showed me like three natural orders and a green sun sunlight, but just, I didn't really have much else going on. Like I could get in there for like four damage a turn, mm-hmm. but it was just like rather slow. And eventually they just, you know what else always does. Like Nothing. you can have everything. Maybe, yeah. They, they, I think I even had, I even had like even mind sensor or something and they just went cradle, 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 hoof, attack you for 10,000 damage. And I'm like, oh, let me calculate. Okay. You got me. <laughs> uh, I can block three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. That that's I guess yeah, like you said, I got what I deserved. And in the last round, I played the most magic I've ever played in a single match, not I think I played this is the least magic I played in a paper game of magic in my entire life. I, mm-hmm. I got turn one killed by Doomsday in the first game. Like they were on the play. I think I didn't even show them what I played. They just like went turn one doomsday and had like a lotus battle drew into the pile and that just like got me. I was like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, yeah, on the second game, they, they went turn one Doomsday again, I believe. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them. Because they they tried to do it with Sheldog Isle. And I had a wasteland. And I was like, oh my god, I'm going to steal that game. So I wastelanded the Sheldog Isle. And then it still died on the next turn. Because they also put Oracle in there. And I was like, yeah. okay, whatever. <laughs> that's, that's, I can beat that. So um, we have our local Tuesdays. And I've been playing Imperial Painter the last three times, I think. And... Um, uh, this this last Tuesday gone, I was two zero, and I go against a guy on, on Oops in the last round. I know he's on Oops, and he poor guy got the round one by round two. He killed La- a dredge on turn one both games, and then here like he knows what I'm playing as well. So he, I'm on the play, and I play a turn one painter. But I think I'm to five looking for something. Yeah, he just kills me on turn one, easy. And then game two, I keep a turn two transfer, and I thought he might respect surgicals more but then he just kills me in turn one again so, so <laughs> he had four turn one kills didn't lose any games and a buy so he played four turns of magic oh and a five I, 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 with my turn ones i want to read that guy's tournament report <laughs> yeah, yeah it was just you, you know uh, what you should do you should actually write a tournament report and then just like contact channel fireball or stuff and, and be like oh dude i, I want to submit my tournament report <laughs> oh yeah please just don't send more than i don't know four thousand characters or something oh yeah it's, it's just like 200 characters it's fine <laughs> 200 that's that's a lot of games that's a lot of oops matches you can get in 200 yeah. characters <laughs> So yeah, the next tournament is actually coming up on October 17th, and I have no idea what I'm going to play there. Maybe I'm going to go back to Elves. Like, I don't know, it's, it's just like what I enjoy. Elves, it's kind of you. Driver, Doomsday. That is that is the same weekend as uh, Four Seasons, which I booked my ticket for, um, well, my flight for. Need to see what the flying situation stuff is. You do need to do a lot of tests to get into Italy, but I'm crossing my fingers uh, that that goes ahead. And oh, that's I- going to be a big one again, right? Yeah, I think so. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to play like a good deck like Sagavan or something boring or play Painter. I'm like, oh, I really don't know. I'll probably play Painter. Yeah. I'm going for the party in the good time. Yeah, that sounds great. Marius has been yeah. telling me to play Painter on stream for like forever. And yeah, it's funny. Like we barely see Painter online at all, right? Is there, mm. is there, anybody, is there think, anybody who really made himself the Painter guy? I think Jack Utley, um, Jack Kitchen, Kitchener. Uh, who's early 26 for a bit um he top eights sometimes and he had like a really good weekend a few months ago other than that you have some like good people that sometimes play painter um but uh, not really i played a league last night and got a nice 4-1 she got crushed by Luanil on dnt but other than that i don't know it felt pretty good like i beat two sagavan decks my new favorite thing is just like locking them out under Trinosphere and pyroblasting their lands. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> they, they play very few lands, so you just Magus their sagas and you pyroblast their their jewels and stuff with painter and play, obviously. 
and then Isn't there like this new this new tech for painter because that's what Marius keeps telling me about all literally all the time and he's so convinced mm-hmm. it's one of the best things ever and I'm trying to find it. Breya's Apprentice. Have you heard about oh, that? Oh, yeah. I haven't tried it. It's from the new Modern Horizon set. It's like a three mana, two, three on ETBs. You get a Thopter or something. And then it taps to do a few things. You can tap and sack an artifact to give like something plus two plus oh. You can exile the top card of your library and cast that turn. And it might have another ability. Um, I can't quite remember now. It you seems may actually cool. play the card. So if you, if you had a um, land, you can also play that. Right. Yeah, I think so. And um, you can get it off Recruiter, which is pretty sweet because it's a 2-3. Um, need to try it more, but it strikes me as like a really good value card. I might be um Yeah, that's basically it, but... how Marius has been using it. Um, he, he's using it like as a big value engine to get out of like Painter or like you you try to find it off, um, what's the other Goblin Engineer? Yeah. And because oh, it's yeah. an artifact itself. And oh, yeah, it, it produces some reasonable card advantage. And he's, he's really, really excited about that. Because when I first looked at it, I was like, is there really nothing better? But... He not only told me that it's like okay, he like went out of his way to tell me that this is insanely good. Actually, I forgot about engineer being able to search for it because the deck is still playing like four welders and three or four engineers. And I can see making the token and then like, you know, getting a value off random artifacts. I can see it being great there actually. So I gotta try it. I'm gonna put one in my deck after the uh Try it out. After, after this podcast. I'm gonna I've got my painter deck on my <laughs> on the table right next to me. I'm gonna put one awesome. in there. I'm actually sitting in a league right now. I'm four and all with elves. I actually mm-hmm. I grabbed um, Aaron Relentless lists that he I think top three was it the challenge or the the I think it was the challenged um, yeah, with so. the, the the reclaimer based one that Newton originally created. I think Newton is playing the the version with white now, and Aaron is still playing the one um, with black. And it's it's kind of scary because the black version doesn't doesn't really remove artifacts or enchantments. And thus far, I've played it through a couple of leagues. It hasn't really been an issue yet, but it's it's scary, man. But it, yeah. it feels really good. Like I think my second league, I have five out immediately. I hope hopefully this one's going to be a five hour spell. It's it almost feels like Maverick Elves. That's what I named it on on my Magic Online thing. It it, it feels so mid rangey. Like you barely ever like combo people out with glimpse, which I guess is. I mean, yeah, that's a downside. But the upside is you really get to play the mid range game. And I mean, I'm all about the mid range. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I did try the Reclaim build a few times, and being newer to Elves, it didn't click with me the same way that being able to, like, Glimpse Chain did. Um, and I, <laughs> I, I guess I just I just won with it less, so it didn't click with me as easily, but it's it's obviously very powerful. It, it continues to do well, so, yeah. Yeah, it plays very, very differently, like, really very, very differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm all excited about that right now. Let, let's see how that goes. Maybe I'm going to play them. On, on can you send me, just um, asking for a friend, sorry, can you send me that anti-elves maverick list? I fancy playing a league after this. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> just you're easily right? 5-0. <laughs> yeah, yeah fun, funnily enough, like, half the cards in, in that list aren't that empowered. Actually, who am I kidding? They're all really good against me. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, turn three, double cradle, and to be a moth, that's it. Nice. So, should we move on to the next, um, the, the first section? We, we received a couple of listener questions over the last weeks. Sounds good to me. Let's do it. Awesome. The first one's coming to us from JVA. Do you guys see any similarities between Ragavan, Urza Saga, and Oko in respect to the number of decks that normally wouldn't run the card, but now just slotted in as a win condition? It seems to me they can bring these cards in with very little deck building requirements. Kind of, how would you compare like the meta where everybody splashed Oko to the I don't know abundance of Ragavan and Rotsa Saga? I don't know about mm. that. It's somewhere in between the middle of yes and no, which is the worst answer. Um, I I feel like the cards 
aren't as like you know homogenous and horrible to play against Sunoco. Um, they have like Ragavan especially does have some kind of play patterns that are a bit monotonous sometimes, and it, it's much more swingy and it's obviously cheaper, so it can you know just hit these random high rolls and just you know run away with the game. But Oko did this thing where it like acted as removal and a very legit win condition, and it was just harder to deal with. And it was just, I just think it was just like a, a much harder card to fight. And so the fact that it slotted into every deck was, it was both easy to do and just harder to fight, even when it's like the known thing. Like, you know, especially when it's like, you know, alongside Veil of Summer, you're struggling to even Pyroblast on the stack and stuff. And it was just a nightmare card to be fighting against, even if you knew it was coming from every deck, even like just if it's in the sideboard or the, or the thread of it made it harder. So I think this is more answers to Ragavan as a saga. And so the numbers could be similar, but I don't find them as, you know, oppressive or horrible to play against as Oko personally. Um, how do you feel, Julian? Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised because I, I don't really feel like that, especially Ragavan is all that present in the meta game. I mean, the decks who were going to play it are going to play it, like basically all the Diver decks, right? Yeah. And, and then... The one deck that was kind of created out of it, but that's also part of like the because of the power of prismatic um, ending is that blue white red Sagaban mm -hmm. mid range deck. But I don't really see Ragavan being splashed in too many other decks. Like we've seen it in Sneak Snow here and there, and I think for like a couple of minutes somebody tried it in in the Bond um, mid range Miracles deck, but I, I don't really see it anywhere as omnipresent as like we, yeah. we used to see Oko in Elves. We used to see Oko in Maverick. Oko was basically everywhere. Like people played Oko in Doomsday. I guess, okay, I guess somebody has tried Ragavan in Doomsday, but that's far from as popular as Oko was. And also, I guess a part of that is that Oko's, even though it's two colors, it's much easier splashed into decks because blue and green are probably like the the most mm -hmm. common colors in Legacy right now. Whereas red has like red and black has always have always been those auxiliary colors i want to call them like I, I always consider like blue green and white the core colors of legacy at least right now whereas black and red is something you add to a deck you rarely ever base your entire deck on black or red unless like i guess there's like tribal synergies and stuff and goblins you're making but jacks very sad right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah check is the one person we used i guess yeah. what does he actually play right now i mean okay just a very slight tangent then we'll come back to the question because actually uh, i've got a little bit to add and i think you're right um would you consider storm decks black as their primary color. So I think I think a lot of combo decks are black. Um like I think black is a core, probably more than white. Yeah, yeah. I guess Storm Deck is interest Storm Decks are interesting in the sense that they play like what's the core the black core of Storm Decks? Like Dark rituals Ritual and discards. And yeah. And Thoughtseize. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't really I mean for, okay for me white is white apart from DNT, white is the, like the most classic staple on color like you just play white for source splashes basically mm -hmm. yeah well, like in, in that original trinity i proposed like white is definitely like the one you you could definitely make a case for it not being one of the core colors of legacy for sure mm -hmm. yeah uh, let's just say it's blue and then the rest are below <laughs> 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 which is probably actually close to the truth honestly but um yeah, just quickly, so should we jump back to the question? I, I think after hearing you talk about it like that, you're right, actually. I think the numbers, they do slot in with, like, you know, not that much deck building cost, or at least less than what we kind of assumed at the beginning. Um, like Saga obviously gets way better if you're playing in an artifact-based deck. Um, you just have more things to find with it. Your constructs are bigger and stuff. But you do need to, like, you know, have some like consciousness about, like, what you're doing with it. Like, are you going to 
the the saga van decks are like you know they're getting retrofit to foundry and then not much else but then they do use the constructs quite well because it's their win condition that you know just plays this kind of like slow removal based game and stuff and ragavan like the deck this is going to like you know sound like a not a big deck building cost but you do need to be able to fetch red on turn one and a lot of decks that you know splash red do not want to do that um so i think there's a real cost there that's actually a really good point, right? You, you'd definitely be fetched. Like, if it's if, if it's just, like, something you staple on, you're probably going to fetch a duel for Ragavan. And, I mean, Ragavan is nice at, like, off, like one of the worst feelings is, like, if you're on the draw and your opponent goes turn one Ragavan, like, like you wasteland them. It's like, what the fuck oh, that's is That's the worst. On? Yeah, you can't do that. But, um, but like, with Oko, so, I mean, like, even non-blue decks were, like, non-brainstorm decks, I should say, were splashing it. Because you can just, like, fetch your blue source on turn three. It's very easy to curve into and stuff. Whereas Ragavan, like, the, the moment you don't play it on turn one or two, it starts to lose its power. Like, yeah, the dash is very good and stuff, but you're not going to, like, also be fetching to a splash card to be dashing and stuff. You can just do more powerful things from turn three and four. So, yeah, I think there is there is more deck building costs for these two cards. And so it's yeah. not quite as much as Oko. Moving on to the next question, coming to us from Neiden. How do you feel about companions as a mechanic now that we've had time for the uh, for the post nerf? If Watsi announced they were going to print some new ones, you would you be happy or terrified? Run away, run away so fast! <laughs> oh my god! I, okay, I know. Um, I actually think the the idea was amazing, and some of them are really really cool. I liked the um, the whatever hippo Karuga. I think that was a cool one. Uh, I thought the Amori, who like you have to have the whole deck the same thing, and Lutri is super super cool as well. And you know, with the change to ha- tacking on the three mana, I think they're really cool. And honestly, Lutri like you know could have stayed the same, and some of the others could have stayed the same as well. But like Lurus, I just think is the it's like the best card printed in the last ten twenty years. It's absolutely ridiculous. And the best comparison to like. Or not comparison, but how far they missed on this was someone was like, okay, so they added three mana to companions. The difference of three mana is huge in this game. The difference of three mana is time warp versus time walk. That's how big three mana, that's how (laughs) magic, that's how Wizard of the Coast sees three mana. Um, So yeah, companions was such a big miss the first time. The idea was awesome. The, the, um, you know, making execution, execution, that's the word, was, was not. So, uh, I, I feel like they would have learned from it and then the, if they made new companions they'd just be really bad and not very exciting So, and I think they would have to be really careful with it so I think you know I would prefer not to see companions again I How agree about- I would also prefer not to see them if they were to come back um, the one thing I think I've said that on our previous companion based uh, themed episodes I want them to be super highly specific and that's exactly the opposite of what wizards were trying to do right if, if you look at the cards they printed like all of them have have dual like hybrid mana costs because they want them to be as widely available to as many people as possible and i think that's part of the downfall i think for example if lurus was i don't know trip like double black or even triple black it, it wouldn't have cost nearly as much of uh, as problem as it did like problems mm-hmm. as it did in, in the format but yeah this, this is how i'm seeing it like if, if i were ever to print a companion i i wanted to be for example, like a tribal companion that costs you like triple red, triple blue, and it does like for something for Murfolk or maybe for, for goblins, but it also has the, that deck building requirement that you need to play at least, I don't know, 20 goblins or something, you know? That, mm-hmm. I think that could be really cool and really flyerful and also like help out tribal decks in the first place. And that's how I would imagine them coming back. Yeah. And that also like makes it much less likely that they get broken in other decks. 
Yeah, like th- this is more of a, I think it was more of a fluke than like um, planned, but some of them are quite interesting, like, and they make very cool deck building decisions. Like, I mean, Lurus before the, I'm sorry, not Lurus, um, the, the Otter, I've just said the name a second ago, uh, Lutri. Uh, Lutri, like, was 5 0ing some legacy leagues with just like singleton um, decks, and that's super cool. I really, really cool to see that. And um, Kahira, like, you know, Marcus and Francis, they sometimes play it as their companion and then they just like cut, stamp, cast a mage for it. But it's kind of cool to have that. And um, like Francis, our Tuesday locals was playing um, that as a, as a companion, then using solitude as like an extra card to pitch to it if you used to as well. <laughs> and it pumps solitude as well, which is pretty cool. So there are like cool ways to do it, but um, just how hard they missed on uh, Zerda and, Lurus especially like Lurus is still just wrecking modern as well it's uh right they, they actually like you said they added three mana to the mana cost and it's still like it, really good yeah modern. people people <laughs> people are really calling for it to be banned in modern now even after making it six mana Dude, how much mana would it need to be to to like be bad uh, to, to be balanced in modern than like pay extra five or something <laughs> i i think that would still yeah that would that'd be better like the fact that you can pay it three then three if it was make, maybe like five then three it'd be okay but you know what I would love to do? Not not just not to okay, I was gonna say not just no, but seriously, not to rub it in, but really just to see their reactions. I would love to go to the development team just as they are like about to give the check mark to companions and tell them this is gonna be the first thing that gets banned in vintage for power reasons. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know, there there is the argument, yeah, like it had to be banned because like, you know, um, making it one of like it doesn't work and stuff but it is just it's just the most broken card they've printed in so many years i, I can't remember oh, no, i forget when, when um one of our legacy chats like daniel gutschel the very first thing he said when he saw it mm. was this is better than black lotus and i will never forget that because in my head i was like okay mm. this is probably like too crazy but turns out it gets banned and vintage like what yeah. the fuck that guy's oh, a prophet yeah yeah the first the first decks i built i posted them on twitter actually I uh, just put like a Lurus Delver deck. I was like, oh, maybe Grixis Delver gets better again. Here's a rough idea. And then um, also Zerda. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool with we'll Grimonlith or Basalt Monolith. And then Oopsie Daisy. There, uh, yeah. Give him my fox back. It was, it was, it's always fun playing with broken cards. I'm glad to say I, I was playing with like, Lurus and Zerda and Breach at their height. Yeah. God, just, yeah. just the people you that play. You had to be there. You did. The people that played with Lurus, like, just think back to it. Like, you just laugh about how broken it was. Like, you didn't used to have pay, to pay three mana. You used to just cast it from your sideboard. It's just That's so insane. utterly, <laughs> utterly insane. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just smiling now. It's completely ridiculous. Awesome, man. Yeah, I, I just wanna, I just wanna activate Night for the Liquory and then untap at the script range and just do it all over again. <laughs> this is, this is my Christmas, Easter, birthday, all in one day. Okay, you do that, and I'm gonna like play turn one urses and then echo and stuff <laughs> yeah that sounds slightly better <laughs> <laughs> moving on there's another question coming to us from Neville shoot and drum roll it's about doomsday no. <laughs> actually no it's not about doomsday it's it's more about like general deck building principles mm-hmm. and he's asking um, julian regarding your principles on not committing much or any side support space to a specific bad matchup and instead just planning to dodge it and then in bold letters <laughs> How much does this decision for you get impacted by the likelihood you will be facing that matchup? Like for Doomsday, that was notoriously bad. If we commit a large part of our sideboard, it might improve the matchup somewhat, but it would still most likely remain unfavorably regardless. 
so he's saying for for argument's sake, let's say we can take it from like a 30-70 to a 40-60 matchup at the cost of committing six to eight committed sideboard slots. Like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't do that. But also, I'm not sure that's, that's how it works. Like, you, you definitely know way more than I do about that. But if the numbers were like this bad, that you're like 30-70, and then like if you commit half your sideboard, which you can basically not use against anything else... And then you just take it to 4060. I would not play that deck in the first place. And now I'm looking at it from the other side. I see Doomsday doing really, really well. So either those guys are really getting lucky with the matchup or the matchup isn't that bad. I don't know. Maybe you're just like, you sent me the numbers and okay, the patch apparently is really bad. And you, then you just gotta look out. But if the numbers are that bad, I wouldn't play that deck in the first place if Dava is as common as it is. But actually, I don't even know how common Dava is right now because. From what I've been told, and I think we mentioned that on previous episodes, your matchups against the rest of the field are insane. And then there's a point to be made, right? If you play a challenge, for example, and it's like, I don't know, seven rounds in the Swiss, and you play Delva twice, and you luck out once, then you're in the top eight, and in the top eight you have to, may- maybe you can dodge Delva entirely, then I'm okay. But if I if I go to a tournament and I expect like to face Delva like three rounds out of six, I'm not playing the deck in the first place. Yeah, this is actually a really interesting situation. I don't think we've had it that I remember in Legacy before. So if you came to me with this argument and put those numbers in front of me saying Delver is quite clearly the most played deck and and it is, especially online, and then you say, and you give me those numbers, I, I would say if you can't get it better than 46, you just do not play this deck ever. It's crazy to think of. But I don't think we've had a situation where you struggle to make a matchup better so badly like that. And at the same time, your other, your matchups across the board is so good with the deck that you're you're still winning like almost everything else that is worth playing. I, I just can't think of any other example like this. So it's there's so many like sliding scales. So the more you make Delver better, the more you'll be sacrificing some other matchups. But then you have to try and work out how much you can sacrifice those matchups before you lose your edge of beating everything else. Essentially, like how far do you like do you have to cut the uh, the Emrakul and the Shelter Kyle to make more space for Delver. If and you, do you will you still beat like Snow or Black Band Control decks, for example, without that? And they probably, I think they're still playing that. So they probably come to the conclusion that no, they they need to play those things because the deck can beat them through uh, endurance and stuff. But then at the same time, yeah, like you might have to, you know, make sacrifices so that you're winning your Band Control matchup sixty forty by cutting the Shelter and the Emrakul, and um, you know, take a loss every now and then to have these extra two or three cyber slots to make Delver, you know, close to 50-50. And then, I don't know, so when, when Delver's getting better, you're you're winning more matches in general. And then, you, as Julian says, you know, if you play in a challenge and you, you play it twice and luckily win some, like, 40-60 doesn't mean you never win. Like, you do win two out of five games every time as well. So you're going to do okay. I think Legacy is, despite, you know, uh, like Ragavan Blue decks being very popular and Doomsday being very big and stuff and DNT doing very well. Um, if the format was like, you know, wide open, you might not be able to afford to do this. But if it's very, very narrow format with just a few kind of decks, you could just give up on another matchup. Like, like for example, if Bant just starts to fall off, if Bant carries on losing to, if it does lose to Delver and like Sagavan and DNT, for example, if that matchup starts falling off, you can then take this opportunity to cut the... Um, the cards for that matchup and think okay well if i face it in this you know percentage amount of the time then yeah it'll not mm. be as good as i usually do but i'm making these matchups that i actually yeah. queue into more it's really actually hard to answer without knowing more numbers and place and stuff and you yeah. probably can statistically work it out by how much you play against these things and how much you can afford to lose on the numbers and stuff but um 
there's a way around it. I think the answer to trying to make Delver better, because you do if you do play versus it enough, is probably giving up some other matchups or some percentage there. Yeah, so something I just also started thinking about is if, if you have like eight dedicated sideboard slots against Delver and they barely increase your matchup, uh, like the thing that you don't want to hear, and I mean that it makes sense to, to still mention that, is then maybe you didn't build your sideboard well. Or maybe Legacy just doesn't have these cards that actually really improve the matchup. Because I, it, it would be somewhat crazy to me that a deck as powerful as Doomsday can't find eight good sideboard. Like, I guess we need a Doomsday expert here, but I'm, I'm mm-hmm. skeptical about the idea of having eight dedicated sideboard cards against Server, like stuff that's really good against Server. I don't know, say like Carpet of Flowers. And, that was I the mean, first that, card I yeah, I, I guess the idea is that you don't really play green in, in Doomsday anymore. Like, everybody's playing Grixis these days, mostly. So I guess that's that's a little bit more of a cost. And, like, other cards I think about is, like, Meek Stone, even though that's not nearly as good against Server as it used to be. And, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe you are losing yourself in, in that... Because I, I see I, I see never should talk a lot about, like, how desperate he is to beat Delver with Doomsday and like everybody playing Doomsday confirms that to me but when I talk to like other guys they don't like they acknowledge it but they don't seem as concerned that that's a problem to the point where they would literally have like a transformational sideboard where you bring like Uro and everything and just like you're not a Doomsday deck anymore yeah it, it depends what you consider like a committed sideboard slot as well because I mean you could argue that Pyroblast or Fatal Push or something like that you know, you're going to bring it in against Delver and it's good there. But for me, a dedicated sideboard would be like Carpet of Flowers and Uro. Unless, like, you know, again, Martin and like Kai and people like that know more than us. Um, they've obviously tested that. They played that kind of bug version with Oko for a while as well. But to me, that's where I'd go um, and then probably lose a lot. And it's like, okay, fine, you were right. <laughs> but Carpet Carpet and Uro is, you know, extremely potent against Delver. So Maybe that's the place yeah. to go. I guess the better way to understand it would also be like, what is Delver actually doing that, that hurts you? And mm-hmm. from what I understand, it's just like the typical Delver thing, right? You have the tempo game and, and also like having a little bit of burn, but that, that makes it harder because like, okay, I think I get it now kind of. Like Doomsday passes the turn a lot, 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 lot more often than it used to, like when it was a, like a much worse deck. Now it's a much better deck at the cost of also like passing the turn and the deck mm-hmm. didn't use to pass the turn that much anymore and like passing the turn against Delva after you just like lost half your life yeah. I think that's one of the biggest so maybe you'd want I don't know something crazy like like um, what's it called Angel's Grace I was about to say that I was just waiting for you to finish the sentence like Angel's Grace yeah <laughs> I don't know and they just like bolt you in your upkeep. I don't know something like that <laughs> they always just bolt you in your upkeep yeah but then I think the thing is, like, you know, cards that are going to make you survive when you pass the turn just always fall into the same thing of, like, if you had the one or two mana to play the thing that's going to make you survive the turn, you probably could have won on your turn anyway. So I think... So you need something that has Suspend, that comes off Suspend and then buys your mm. turn? I don't know. Yeah, we have, I think we have, we're doing the same thing that Martin is doing right now, which yeah. is, like, totally disfiguring the deck to a point where it doesn't work. Yeah, anyway. I, yeah I, I, so. do, I really do feel like carpet is probably just the best thing to do against it because you get all the mana so you don't need to pass the turn probably but it's yeah 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 so actually um i, I posted something in our show notes as well about ellie by the way ellie um posted a really really good thing on i think uh is it pendrelrail.com yes. i read this the other night that- and it's a fantastic article like so good 
Yeah, he wrote an article about his second place finish in the Mox qualifier, and he played Lance, and it, it's not a tournament report, it's more like a biography as a player, almost like yeah. where he's coming from, how his way of thinking about the game has changed and what has like has shaped his way of thinking. And he actually he quotes me or more or less and one of those things and that's about ignoring unpopular bad matchups. And how I talk about that and how that's like part of how he built his deck for the tournament. And I think the most important part here is when I was always talk about ignoring certain matchups and building your deck or sideboard, it's unpopular stuff, right? I want to be good against the most commonly played something like four, maybe five decks in the format at best, and I almost literally ignore everything else. And th- that's what it's about, right? And that's why I think um, Martin quoting me on that with regards to Doomsday and Diver, it's not really super applicable because I, I would certainly be very concerned with Diver if I was playing Doomsday. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, yeah, I, we're obviously struggling to give a good answer because we haven't played Doomsday anywhere near as, enough, as much <laughs> as them. Um I'd like to talk to you, Martin, more about it, though. I'd like to see how, or like you've obviously played with and thought of carpet flowers and uh, the Euro sideboard and stuff. Like maybe that's the place you should be going to and just give me up on some other places. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. that's the way to go. Maybe have to get um, him on. Yeah. In speaking of adaptation and the format evolving, dude, over the last two or three weeks, we've seen a lot of either like new versions of established decks or completely new decks coming back. Or totally mm-hmm. dead decks rising from the dead again. And I, I want to say, like, the last two or three weeks have been some of the most exciting recent legacy, just because, like, there's so much stuff going on that I really feel like now that these new cards have come in and everybody's like, oh, they are so broken, now slowly, you know, everybody's, like, adapting, mutating, like, trying to reach the next level. And and those decks are doing well now. Like, at least uh, some of them have both in the Legacy Challenges as well as in the Legacy Super Qualifier that happened, uh, placed really highly. And the first one I actually want to talk about is, <laughs> I called it the Neo Check Pile in <laughs> Legacy. Well, is it even, like, imagine you played, imagine you came into Magic and you're like, okay, so what do you play? And people are like, oh, this is Elves. What does it do? It plays Elves. What does Murfolk? It plays Murfolk. What does Doomsday? It plays Doomsday. And then somebody's like, this is Neo Check <laughs> It's a good name. It's... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is a bunch of good cards. I mean, is it even a name? I just like randomly came up with it. Well, I think Anurag calls it the A pile. Okay. I mean, <laughs> that, that makes pile. it much better. <laughs> I mean, first of all, it's got a fucking tiger and a plateau in it. How do you feel about that? Yeah. <laughs> those those cards, those duels used to be respectable duel lands. Like mm-hmm. When I started playing, by far the worst dual lands were like Scrubland and Badlands. And we talked about how they're basically named appropriately. Like mm-hmm. Tiger was very much respected. It was like a like a, a survivor of the fittest stable and Plateau. Yeah, and Zoo. Yeah, actually Plateau was loved. loved yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Plateau's always been loved at. Yeah. Is it the worst dual land? It must be. Like it's played in Strawberry Shortcake, Team Italia. Yeah, okay, yeah, you're reaching. <laughs> and the Neo Check and Neo, Pile. Now Neo Check Pile. Um, <laughs> this deck, so it's, I mean, it's still a blue-white control deck, but it's just, you know, continuing to splash good cards. And Expressive Iteration is the newest good card to splash. And Anarag's clearly done well with it. He won a challenge with this deck as well, I believe. Um, yeah, true, so, true. Actually, yeah. he's got he got, um, got the commentary of the top eight on Shadow Fireball. Yes, I saw it this morning, exactly. So this was the, the PTQ that he took forward with it. And then he also won a challenge. So the deck is clearly strong. And obviously he knows what he's doing with control decks, but it's like showing its worth. 
expressive iteration is just crazy good, right? Like it's a two mana draw twos and uh yeah. It's just efficient. Um pitch to force yeah. is pretty real again as always. I know I always point it out, but you know, it's a it's a real upside. And um I feel like I didn't watch Anarch streaming this deck, so I haven't seen it in action really, but I think it's just him experimenting with how far he can push the mana. Like, you know, how much is he get is he gonna get bodied by Wasteland decks if he pushes the mana further and further? I mean, he still has uh, three basics in there. So you can, like, lead with the basic the first three turns, and then, you know, that's the golden spot where you can then start casting Jace on four. Um, and the deck just, like, you know, having the iterations and Uros as, like, extra, like, you know, cantrips or, like, filtering on card draw, it's going to find you more lands when you need it. And there is 22 lands, which is actually quite high. When he was playing the uh, Abundant Harvest lists, they were, like, 1920, so... He's clearly... Well, there's no abundant harvesters anymore. Yes, yeah. We've upgraded it. So the abundant harvesters were like lands, but now you're wanting to play the iterations on turn three or four. Often, you know, you're wanting yeah. to, you wanting to find real lands off it so you can you know, exile it and, and play that off the iteration stuff. So, yeah, the deck looks like a, a bulldozer classic control that we've seen the last couple of years. The Euro control things. And so it's like two terminus. Like when I look at these decks, I'm like, oh, this is so bad against anything that goes white. But no, there's still two terminus. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. And now he's, he's four prismatic ending, four yeah, endings, four swords. Uh, this is the adaption that like these decks need against Delver. They need these eight one mana removal spells to keep up with it. I think it. I really think if it weren't for prismatic ending, even though I think it is a bit of a negative card to have in the format, I don't like how like you know wide applicable it is but if it wasn't for ending i'm pretty sure delva would be a lot more dominant so we can kind of mm-hmm. hate it and thank it <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, like you mentioned right this is this is the next thing um and, and so even though the deck started off being like really good against diva uh like ever since diva became a lot more of a mid-range deck i think the deck had issues and i i put a headline on, on this deck list um quote-unquote the biggest deck building hole in recent legacy history because I feel that the way Bond used to be built over the last one or two months had such a huge deck building hole in it that went somewhat unaddressed for quite a while. And now this list is somewhat addressing it. And that is just like how utterly incapable of doing the deck was once Uro had been taken out of the picture. Like post game, mm-hmm. post board games, you can try to stop a surgical extraction in Uro, but half of the decks, or like more than half the decks you play against, where you could try to stop a surgical in Uro, you don't even want to have forces post-board. And that's just like such a big problem. Whereas pre-board, half the lists I saw, they couldn't even deal with Caracas. Like, yeah, you can use Uros like as a draw engine still, but eventually your graveyard dries up and you you <laughs> it, like to a, you get to a certain point where if you, if you escape too much and then you endurance yourself, so you don't even endurance all that much back. And that's part of why we've seen the deck like struggle with time, struggle with decking, struggle with so many stupid things, even though like it was drawing so many cards, but it, eventually like all it did was like sorts of power shots and, and uh, prismatic ending stuff, and then try to get there either on the back of chase, like this deck often didn't even play chase. And that's why we saw so many games won with Shark Typhoon. And yeah, I, I always felt like this deck had real big issues, like strategic is- issues because of that deck building hole. And this is what's, being somewhat addressed here by having a little bit of a better deck post-board. Like, I still think that problem somewhat prevails, but at least you have Red Blast now. It's just like, just having access to Red Blast to to take out, like, all of the, the important decks, uh, cards in your opponent's deck, that's just, like, such a big deal. And 
Mm-hmm. I, I like this, like, for as much as I hate, like, four-color good stuff piles, I like this deck quite a lot more than Bant Miracles. Yeah, I think it's well-built. Um, Bant always just felt like it suffered so much with that red blast, as you say. Like, you felt like you could just, you know, slam, you know, your, your Teferis and Jaces against them and just feel free to do whatever. Um, Endurance did help help address the Uro issue quite a bit, and so there's only one here and two in the sideboard. But when Bant's are playing two or three, that is a pr- pretty legit win condition, but... I do agree. Like it was, it has been leaning on Euro a bit too much in the past. And here, two Jaces, uh, a Shark Typhoon, one Endurance, and two Snap Custom Age. Given how the deck plays out with the card advantage and stuff, I think that's enough to close games for sure. Yeah. Something that's interesting about the Expressive Iteration is that it's it's not the kind of card I would expect like in a control deck because like I, I would expect something like um, everybody's favorite Predict um, mm-hmm. because it gives you the same kind of card advantage even though I would argue that Predict gives you like half a card more because you get to basically scry one card into your graveyard in that way. Um, express, expressive Iteration, like if you play it on the third turn and your opponent doesn't have a creature and you had a removal spell, it's like really awkward. Then you're, I guess you can take that into your hand and then you hope that you you find a Pondar or something or maybe a land that you can play. So I, I guess you can do it. It's just like not the first card I would have thought of. It's more like you, you want to play it and then you want to play something to the board. And this deck with Expressive Filtration will rarely ever put something to the board other than a land, which is mm-hmm. okay, but it's not amazing. But somehow it's, it still seems to be good enough. I guess part of that is like if you get Wasteland at a ton and then like on your fourth turn you only have two lands, you iteration, you hit a land that's really good. So there, there are like slight differences where, you know, on face value, you're looking at iteration and predictors, like they're both draw twos. They both have their downsides, like you could miss a land with iteration or you, and then not like you have to pass the turn or predict. Obviously, you don't have the time to set it up or you miss whatever. But like they play very differently and they both want you to do different things. So iteration is a, 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 like a better card in a raw sense of the way. Like you are just taking two cards because you can play one that turn. It does have the debt building requirements if you want to have enough things that you play this one turn. So, but I think with all the removal and then the cantrips and stuff, you, you do have that many things. There's two Sylvan Libraries as well, which can either like, you know, more nice things to just cast that turn or like help set up actually to an extent so they can find you what you want to iteration into. But it's almost always drawing two. And so you want to have a higher land count because you both want to hit the land when you cast on turn three onwards. Um, You just want like more lands to play so the iteration can find two spells and like cast something straight away. And um, Mm -hmm. I always thought there was a bit of a weird sense when you had Uro as like your main condition in the bands before with Abundant Harvest. And then Abundant Harvest kind of, I like the theory um, of them replacing lands. I think that made sense. But when Uro like is not getting more lands and put into play and then like pulling ahead and then you know they kill the Uro and then you just like recast it again with ease and stuff. There was always a little bit of a friction there. So I do like that iteration and Uro, I think, play quite nicely together. Whereas they also just reward you for playing cantrips. Like so the cantrips, if you play them early, you're gonna fill the grave up for Uro and they just find the iteration and the iteration just finds more cantrips and you just keep playing these spells <laughs> and you're continually seeing cards and that's what control wants to do you don't want to be playing this draw go draw go game because the other decks are playing iteration like delver's playing iteration so is the jeskai deck so and then they have um as a saga sometimes if they're the, the control version so you do not always win this draw go thing so i think control does want to be playing these things whereas predict 
is um you know asking you to either save your cantrips until you draw a predict or to cantrip yeah. in a certain way and it just like puts this extra little strain so there's a way that um min always describes these two like two kind of styles of cards in the miracles discord and he says one is a contraption so mir- uh, predict is a contraption so it's part of a bigger whole and so it is great with cantrips and stuff and it plays very nicely and if you're playing more actual counter magic as well it plays nicely as well but you want to build your deck in that kind of sense of the way iteration is just a raw card it's very good it's going to draw you two cards later that's like raw power exactly that's where i want to be it's going to find the land so again this like this higher land count makes sense to me so i think the way this is built iteration and uro and just this whole style of deck plays better than predict does in in the way i guess it would also be like you would have a huge leg up on the mirror just because you have red blasts and mm-hmm. and expressive iteration. Yeah, like like the, the one guy has expressive iteration, the other guy has slightly less fewer lands, but abundant harvest. I definitely want to be on the expressive iteration side. Of I think that. so. Yeah, I would say even without iteration, the the difference of having pyroblasts is just day and night. Yeah. So it's just worth the splash probably already. Um, and then yeah, iteration is now just enough of a reason to go into it. And okay, so how do yeah. we exploit this? How, how is this like good enough that people should be slamming blood moons on the first turn again? No. Um, uh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, blood moon I think is probably quite good in the format. Um, the the blue red delver decks. I mean, it kind of sucks that Ragavan is just there. It can't, they cast it for red, and they get a treasure, and then they cast whatever they want off that treasure. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I've I've cut blood moon from painter, for example, because one, it kills your sagas. And yeah. two, it's just it's just not that great right now. As I said, Ragavan kind of trumps it. And um, if it weren't for Ragavan, some of the Blu-ray Delver decks are still playing basics. You've got D&T everywhere um, doing very well. Uh, Blood Moon and Chalice are probably the worst they've been in a very, very, very long time. So, yeah. yeah that's true. Like, think- Chalice is barely even a factor. Like, do you even think about Chalice when you build your decks? Like, to me, it's like a complete non-factor. Going back to, like, ignoring stuff that's not popular mm-hmm. and building your deck accordingly. Like, I don't even, like remotely yeah. think about chalice i think we're back to the days where chalice decks were like well stompy for a while <laughs> and it's just like yeah, <laughs> lol decks. i lost to it <laughs> and then you move on <laughs> yeah oh chalice by the way is, is is um a good thing to talk about because uh interestingly that's missing from the next deck that we're going to talk about and that is um the deck that minus 110 played in the super actually won the super qualifier it placed yeah. first and how do we call that? It's not like new affinity because people we used to have the thing like that Urza Stompy, at least that's what I called it. I, I, like basically the deck that played Echo of Eons and Urza and everything and, and tried to to leverage Karn stuff. This is quite different even though it uses a lot of similar cards. This is actually, we should probably like go with the list just so people can get an idea of why this feels a lot more like affinity. So it plays four Emery, Lurk After Lock, four Psy, Master Thopterist, for Thought Monitor, which is a new thing with Affinity for Artifacts, I believe, that comes into play and draws two cards, 2-2 two, two Flyer. I placed four Echo of Eons, and now four Thoughtcast, which is the, the sorcery that people played, like, back in Mirrodin, which draws you two cards and also has Affinity for Artifacts. Place four Farsophers, and then a bunch of Artifacts, like LED, Lotus Petal, Mishra's Bobble, Mox um, Opal, Form, Mishra's uh, Words Bobble, and on top of the lands, also four Words Saga. This is this is quite different from Nigotsa stack, right? Like I, I thought it was kind of the same, but after playing against it, this is much faster and much scarier. Mm-hmm. This deck I freaking love. It's so I mean, as a surprise, surprise for a fan of like artifacts and stuff. Um, it's built amazingly, as you said. Like you know, Chalice is not great, and I think uh, this player they've done very well. This is the player that um made the white 
and Blue Splash um, artifact deck and took down a challenge when Urza Saga first came out. And oh, uh, nice. so, so they obviously tinker with these artifact decks a lot. And this is just great. Like, so Emery is like a staple of the deck and she's always there. Thought Monitor, the power level is just, you know, super high. It's just a perfect fit, these kind of decks. And they've clearly identified that Chalice is not very good right now. And so they're moving past that. And uh, Sai has always been like the best card in these decks against Delver. Um, the body is just amazing as a 1-4. It, um, it obviously doesn't die to Bolt. And then you're making out flyers, so it like blocks the Delvers. And now like the flyers, yeah, they block the um Murktide region and the Dragon Rage Challengers. And obviously both the, the tokens and Sire are great blockers for Ragavan. Um it just matches up so well against Delver still. Um so that's you know, four of them is clearly, you know, respecting Delver. And then a trend with these kind of artifact stompy decks was to they they, they all started with four more uh, Urza's Bauble and four Mishra's Bauble, and they slowly cut them for, to adding more mid range cards. And like Calm was always great against control decks, obviously, and uh, control was always very popular. But as Delver gets you know more and more popular in the meta game, and even the control decks being like Sargavan, they're still they're now lower to the ground and they can snowball faster. So I think moving on to this kind of style of list is just great and you just have so much raw card advantage as well from the thought monitors and the thought casts and you know having all these baubles again to cast them uh the deck just sees so many cards as well like the echoes when you like land a sigh and then you echo and then just play all these zeros there's so, oh, there's so many zeros you just go off like i was watching jarvis stream last night and he played a mirror against bob and um I think Bob might have timed out or maybe Jarvis attacked him for like 500 and turn 20. But like their boards, they were just both echoing and had both had size and they both had like 50-50 constructs and then the Shadow Spear giving them Trample and Lifelink, like absolutely ridiculous mirror match. You have to see it to believe yeah, the it. the size is just so good in the deck. Yeah. I remember I played against it and I think on the first turn they played Psy, they played Echo and then they passed with Psy at like seven top tiers and I was like, I think I should just concede here. Like this is not even worth That's trying so to beat. Good. So yeah, the Shadow Spear is also such a nice addition, right? Once yeah. you have it's a Saga, and like you got these big stupid tokens, and they they don't do anything. All of a sudden, you put Shadow Spear on them. They have Life Link and Trample. Like either of those would have would already be really good, but now you got both. Oh, I just love that card. And and obviously it goes without saying, but Urza Saga is incredible in this deck. You're making huge <laughs> constructs, and so you're going to just trump any Saga mirrors basically, and um. I think this is like the first version of these artifact decks that has Force Will main deck as well. And so it's the addition of Thought Monitor and Thought Cast that's allowed that. The blue count was always a bit low, um, but I think there's just enough now. So 24 blue cards? 24, yeah. Yeah, seems good. So, yeah, I mean, winning a PTQ, which had like what, a bunch of players I didn't see. Um big accomplishment and obviously must have beaten Delver to get along with the way there I saw on Twitter Bob asked the player like said what's your Delver plan and he just replied in Japanese it's a secret <laughs> <laughs> I like it yeah, yeah I love it <laughs> but yeah that deck um, yeah. something you can do with the deck for example when when I played um, Blue Red Diver against it in like one of the leagues uh, I had my giant big Merc tide and I didn't even want to attack into their thought monitor because that means they can replay it from the graveyard of Emery I'm like, I, I can't believe it. Like, I, I can't even force the jump block and I don't want to do it because it's just going to give them even more cards. Love like, it. if this deck, if this deck could have like something, like, like maybe have something that's similar to a bubble, but that allows you to like maybe sacrifice a creature for value, uh, you could get an even insaner engine than it already has. Like, this, this might legit be one of the most powerful decks in the format right now. It's yeah. really, really good. I can see it. I only just saw the four force of negation in the sideboard as well. That insulates you against like other combo decks so well, like to have eight forces. 
Holy moly. So I can see this deck completely like, you know, against other combo decks. It just plays like a slower, grindy control deck to an extent. Yeah, I'm absolutely loving everything about it. Just just so well built. It seemed, obviously, yeah. like just, you know, leaning on these super powerful cards as well. Yeah, big, big, big fan. So smart, by the way. It has one expedition map on the sideboard. So I guess if you, I guess um, against control, guess, you would yeah. still often get like Retrofitter Foundry. But if you want to like play it really long game, then you first find the expedition map, find your second saga, and then you find the Retrofitter Foundry. So you, like you have a slightly longer chain in case they have, say, a prismatic ending for your Foundry. Chef's kiss. <laughs> <laughs> that card that deck's so good actually like i'm gonna finish my league with Ives and i might just load this up right afterwards mm-hmm. i think i'm actually so i said tomorrow uh a monthly i'm not i'm not playing but i'm gonna bring this deck along for the, i might i might do the same <laughs> yeah i'm gonna bring it along put it together after this i've got my red painter looking next to me looking sad actually but i'm gonna i'm gonna build this oh. i'm gonna cheat on it <laughs> so now no, we're moving from like the new hot mono blue uh stuff to the, one of the oldest mono blue decks in the format and that is i guess we're just calling it high tide right doesn't you really mm-hmm. have a fancy name these days uh, and that is yeah high tide played by i would like to respond good friend of the podcast marcus ewald and he actually streamed the entire thing and the, the vod is still on this twitch i just told him to maybe export it to youtube as well so it's going to be pres- preserved either way we're going to either link to the vod on, on twitch or on youtube and that was like such an amazing stream. Did, did you tune in to watch him like go all the way to the finals? Not the whole thing, but I watched the last hour or two um, to the side. It wasn't so, super so chatty, like but yeah. five turns. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the five best turns. Uh, just like his, his love for the deck is infectious. It's it's just unwavering as well, right? He, he'll just always like, I'll be talking to him about something and he'll be like, you know, sending a smiley emote, blah, blah, and just talking about how, you know, anything really and then and they're like oh yeah do you want to do you want to like you know do this but it's like no i'm just like in the middle of uh, comboing high tide he's just constantly playing this deck <laughs> uh, and they'll just like randomly mess the chat like hey guys got like you know three five o's in a row with high tide he just he does it somehow it's such a beautiful deck as well i mean i'm sure we're like talking to tons of fans that just love the deck as well but the way it's built just seeing like you know a bunch of four ofs oh, actually there's a few three ofs now Marcus is like deck yeah. building. He hates three offs, but yeah, I guess he's given in there. It actually but, um, has like four three offs. Can he Lesson Storm, Predict, Turnabout? But the Turnabout makes sense, right? One's going to be in the sideboard. Yeah. yeah, it's in the sideboard. Three Predict doesn't feel very Marcus. We need to talk to him about that. But um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's awesome to see him do well with it because he's always doing pretty decent with it. And no one else seems to be uh, having success. But he just, you know... It shows when you have it when you've played a deck so much in your life, and he almost just autopilots it now. He just knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah, so before the cast, I was actually asking him about like what's the secret? Why is this, is he doing well with this all of a sudden again? And he just told me all my matchups are good except for affinity <laughs> and infect. Like, oh, okay. Uh... <laughs> and then actually, he, he sent me another one, and that's like most matchups are slightly favored, and the fa- fairer they are, the better. And then like half a minute pause, and then he sends me. But I don't fucking know because I beat six Raga one decks and lost to Yori and DNT twice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was watching that DNT final as well. Um, Dressdown was about to be the MVP, and then uh, what's it called? The Deafening Silence. Deafening Silence came down. He was so sad. He was like giggling in his chair, like ah, I'm gonna dress down the whole board, like Spirit of the Labyrinth, Thalia, Mother Runes, all the all the mean cards. And he was literally just like jumping up and down in his chair. And then Deafening Silence came down, like slump, sad fucking face. Yeah, um, yeah. Dress, dress down must be a huge addition to the deck, though. Like it just, he was always playing Teferi's Realms. I think he has about five thousand in his house. 
But uh, and that's not even like joking. I think he literally has five. He might have like twenty percent of all of them that were ever printed. <laughs> yeah. Like his his room is basically like full of them. If you look to one wall, it's just like all all Teferi's realms. Maybe his room is Teferi's realm. I guess <laughs> it might actually be. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, Dreston was like such a huge upgrade, right? It's so cool. It, you, you can like flash it in on the end of turn, and now even if they, for example, like while in a creature on your turn, doesn't even matter. And this mm-hmm. is like Flicker Wisp and... Th- oh, Flicker Wisp on Dressdown. Oh, no, that doesn't work as well. Ah! Yeah, no abilities. <laughs> oh, man. How many Dressdowns does he... Ex- oh, he plays four in the yeah. side part. That's, that's like a, that, that tells you that card is really good. Is that really all it took? It draws a card as well. So he's obviously... Oh, that's actually a really big deal. Yeah. Like, when I when I watch these matchups, for example, against something like Bond or Miracles or anything, like, the hate bears you brought in, most often, like, either Spawn Cannons were a huge deal, and then you would, like, fight over those. And yeah. now you can, like, dress down and, and take take it out that way. Yeah, so you just you just dress down, or if they don't have the hate bear, then you just dress down to draw a card and then go off and stuff as well, so... It's never bad. Yeah. Never the, bad, yeah. The floor is really high. So, amazing. Yeah, we should get him to stream more. I think he... Gone are the days of the notepad zone. He used to stream without a mic when he was like, you know, the kids were in bed and in the evening, he'd be like, notepad zone, and he'd be going to the notepad and talking to chat like that. <laughs> it was so, so sweet. But uh, no, everyone check out his stream. I think he got a new Twitch, so I don't want to say it because I'm going to say the wrong one. It was like, I saw that I wasn't following, so I think it's like twitch.tv slash Mark Sivold. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. <laughs> to, to check the, the VOD. Awesome. So I I asked him whether there's any card that's good against him, and he also said it's probably definitely definitely silence. That's the one thing. And mm-hmm. oh yeah, by the way, I'm also like the, I just see this on the next page of the show notes. Also, like why is it becoming so good again? Like one thing is stress down, but the other thing is also that um, most combo and control decks they rely a lot on force fill and force of engagement, and a deck like high tide that's really only looking to resolve. Uh, basically it's a sorcery right high tide um mm. because you're only going to play it on your turn but that this is all you're looking to resolve because then you're just going to spam your opponent with stuff and they eventually run out of counters that's why everybody usually fights over high tide and the deck is really good at, at winning that fight against just counter spells and i think yeah he, he even has like three more pact of negations in the side part so you have like four packs which is basically the premier way to protect your combo and yeah, yeah. If, I, if i was playing like a mid-range control deck i would be super scared of i'd be absolutely terrified like he with four pacts and then three fluster storms and forces like he's just gonna like you need to put a clock on him super fast or he's just gonna just cantrip and find the perfect hand on turn five or six and there's just so little you can do about it like as he said in his comments he's saying you know combadex or controller relying on you know counter magic stack based stuff rather than narsa or counterbalance like narsa or hold breach is probably some of the biggest um uh, like headaches for this deck because it's just like they play it on their turn, so it's kind of force of will and win that fight or bust. True. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can't even like pack of negation it. And yeah. I, I guess you can, but then you got to tap out for a turn. This is so bad. Yeah, it's pretty tough. Because yeah. his answer then is literally just cunning wish for wipe away, I think. Um, yeah. I think he actually told me he's going to move away from wipe away and he's going to play chain of wiper again because it's okay. better against um, deafening. Yeah, deafening, dude, that deafening silence really mm. <laughs> because like some serious PTSD for him. <laughs> yeah, but it makes sense because like if you're, if you're bouncing an asset, like he's never having anything in play to bounce that they want to sacrifice a land for as well. And if you're resolving Cunning Wish against a deck with counter magic, then you're probably resolving the chain of vapor rather than the wipe away anyway. So... Yeah, I mean, people are always going to counter the Cunning Wish if they have the chance rather than what it gets, almost always. So that change makes sense. Cool. 
And with that, we're moving on to the deck that actually took down the challenge. And I, I literally can't believe how this deck keeps getting away with it because it's actually getting really scary. I don't remember when we had like a non-blue, non-combo deck this dominant in, in a format ever. And I'm still not 100% understanding it because it's it's an 80-card deck, right? It's Yorian, Death and Texas. And I love Death and Texas. I love midrange. I love doing all these cute, sweet little interactions. That's like... What, what I love doing, even though I'm not a fan of Yorian, but I mean, the results are there, so I, I can hardly argue against that. Canon, can you tell me why this deck is so fucking good and keeps putting up the numbers and wins and wins and wins and wins? Like, mm-hmm. What the fuck is going on? So we kind of like went over it in the last episode, I believe. I hope we did. Otherwise, I'm just making stuff up. But we said how Death and Texas has always had these, like, you know, rises and falls and rises and falls. And um, there's sometimes Death and Texas players saying the, the sky is falling, the deck is terrible. Um, often when, like, Plague Engineer is very, very popular and stuff. And that card is just nowhere to be seen at the moment. Um, so it's probably, like, a little part of it. But I think the main part of it is the Delver and the blue control decks are like, they're all so powerful. They're having to really like arms reach each other and keep up with each other. And, you know, playing all these pyroblasts and all these kind of spells to make themselves win the mirror because they are super popular online. And the fact that like death and taxes and then the blue um, brainstorm decks are on such polar opposite ends of what cards are good against either. I think death and taxes is still just like not being given the respect it deserves from their sideboards, but not because they aren't aware that Death and Tax is very good. I think a lot of the best players who are playing Blue Decks do know that Death and Tax is strong, but playing Sargavan, like, I think they are doing a similar thing what we were talking about earlier with Doomsday. Like, they're just like, it takes so many cards to make Death and Tax very good that it's just not worth it. Because Death and has got a lot of good upgrades as well. Um, this deck is playing for uh, solitude which i think was a bit of a sleeper everyone was unsure on it at first and it kind of flopped in the control decks but uh, having yurian to be able to just like put into your hand an extra card to pitch is always nice and death and taxes is always a deck that's wanted to try and uh, it, it constricts banner obviously that's just like part of its primary game plan but it's always been very bad at playing from behind and it's never had this kind of catch-up mechanic like force of will is whereas solitude now is a catch-up mechanic and it does have cards like spirit of the labyrinth or mother runes that are just like very hit and miss and amazing in some matchups and terrible in others and you have the extra copies of thalia sometimes and so you do have cards that you can pitch fairly easily and you do have pretty good card advantage engines in like recruiter and flick wisps and stuff as well um the deck is just better than it was before. So again, so to make these fair blue decks better against death and taxes, they can't just like throw a null rod and a, and a plague engineer in the sideboard and kind of be done with it. Cause yeah, you'll find one or two, but like death and taxes is going to keep playing creatures and like, they don't line up like perfectly against those cards anymore. So I don't even know how Sagavan would like really turn this match up on its head. They need to have, I guess, moat tides and then just counter the swords is their answer to it. But it's pretty tough. Um, also, control decks used to lean on Monastery Mentor to beat Death and Taxes a lot, in my experience. And we just don't see that card anymore as well. So, yeah, mm. I think Death and Taxes is just why it's continuing to do well and not having this dip that we usually see. It's almost like a kind of a stock uh, graph, like going up and down. But now it's it's just staying up. And I think, I think there's a good chance it stays up for a while. It's just very, very good against what everyone's Dude. doing. That would be one of the most, like, one of the healthiest things ever to happen to Legacy when a completely non-reserved list deck, like, becomes this good. I, mm-hmm. I hope nobody ever tries to add reserved list. Actually, is Caracas, no, Caracas is not reserved list, right? No, Peacekeeper in the sideboard is. 
Okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I had to just get it in there. I was like, gotcha. But um, Bye, all the peacekeepers. <laughs> it's it's basically there. Um, Actually, you know what? Do you have any idea how, how expensive peacekeeper is right now? It's not too much. I have no idea. Ten. Yeah, it can't euros? be too much, right? But no, I can't imagine this card not spiking at some point. Probably. Like right now, it's like close to twenty, okay. like eighteen, nineteen. I remember. I still remember it being like two, three euros. But whatever. Yeah, but yeah, the re- the rest of the deck is cheap. Like. You know, we've had Wastelands and Richard Port and Caracas reprints yeah. and stuff. Um, I hate this deck, the Euro build, because I ordered tons of really nice, beautiful portal lands when I put DNT together a year ago. And then Euro came along. I need to order like seven or eight more of them. So I'm playing with a mix. And so I think you can manage. I'm not, I'm not playing. <laughs> I don't have Euro in my paper build at the moment, but oh, I need to get Solitudes as well. Fuck that. 60 card for life. Woohoo. You know, the way I think about Solitude, the way you just described it is like you, you're DNT, right? You, you're playing from behind. You're struggling to stay over water. And then you get that thing, that Solitude, that gives you that boost for a moment. Like that way you, you think like, oh, I'm turning the game around. But once you've turned the game around, normally if you use a card like that, you then fade away. You just like you don't have the cards anymore. But now all of a sudden like Yorian rises from beneath you out of the water, lifts you like up above the water and and now you're like there and you can play the game and use all your amazing interactions that you require so much mana and while and that that's like in my head i try to think about stuff like that that's kind of how it works and that's why you can solitude and that's why you can come back in games that you are somewhat behind because previously when you preached say you recruit off the guard to solitude once you've stabilized then you had nothing else to do but now you can yorian and flicker your your other recruiter that you have your, mm-hmm. your flicker is for anything and that's how you get back into the game, and uh, yeah, it makes it makes sense in my head. It does to me as well, and I don't think Death and Taxes ever has ever had a problem with card advantage. Um, they do play this long game; they have the utility lands. This deck has two arts of Saga as well to be more utility um, with all the equipment as well. Like your your recruit of the guards are threats in the late game, and you know you got Stoneforge Mystic to get them. Like as I said before, Recruiter and Flicker Wisp is an amazing engine. Um, the deck is just not going to run out of gas very often. And yeah, Solitude does give you that, you know, when you're getting like Ragavan into Daze and stuff, you know, they're going to force a will your source of just to keep the snowballing. And uh, yeah, then Solitude, you know, is going to be able to just keep you on par on mana in these games where they're using a free counter spell and you're using a free spell as well. And it's great that you can, like, it's a body as well. Like Death and Texas very often gets to five mana. You just cast it, do the thing. Uh, you can vial it in, like you know, you're you're getting vial to five for Yorian sometimes. It's not super uncommon now, and so with Solitude as well, and you can recruit her for it. It's just you know icing on the cake. Um, I think yeah, Solitude. Like we we didn't really talk about. It. I mean, you talked about it right now. I, I didn't even think about it. like it's a very respectable body, right? And mm-hmm. I think it has lifelink as well. Mm-hmm. Three two lifelink. Like flash. that thing on its own is is already like a nightmare for Diver. Like it takes out your I don't know your Merktide Regent and then it blocks your Diver like to, just in one card. Oh yeah. My God. So I, I think that's probably a big part of why the deck is continuing to do well. And I think if I think this is why a big part in why the AD card is doing well as well is, is as you said, Yorian as this final whale rising in the sky after you've yeah. traded all your resources and stuff. So So here's a thought. Can you imagine how much money Wizards of the Coast would make if they literally took this deck and released it as a precon? Like, I don't know, charge five hundred euros for it. Like people would buy that. They definitely would, yeah. Holy shit, that would be like that. That would be the gateway to legacy. Like imagine legacy precon playing death and with like yeah, you could do rainbow depths as well. That'd be pretty cool. You could. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my god, that's actually a completely different playstyle, right? So that would be mm-hmm. really cool as well. 
What else could you do? Oh. Can, can you do high tide? No, time spiral is reserve list. Yeah, but come on, that's yeah, reserve list. <laughs> I think you need that. What about this this blue affinity deck? Oh, lines are diamond. But you could probably build this deck with, without lines are diamond. Uh, attack, I guess you gotta take out the echo of Eons then. Yeah, you could just put some. I mean, like, how hard can it be to to print like a functional reprint of Lions of Diamond? Like it literally just, has just play it. Lions, the, one of the uh, harshest downsides. Uh, Lions, uh, no, I Lion Diamond, Diamond Eye Lion, or whatever it's called from the last one Horizons. <laughs> God, I'm good with names. <laughs> uh, whatever it's called. Uh, yeah, hey, it's pretty close. Uh, there was the the actual affinity deck with like Esper Sentinel and stuff. That had no reserve list, I believe. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's... Oh, and by the way, in, in speaking of precons, um, you probably know this, but ten years ago there actually used to be a literal Death in Texas precon Magic Online. Have, have yeah. you heard about that? I, I bought that back in the day. You bought that that one that has, had like benevolent bodyguard and stuff because yeah. Model of Thrones <laughs> hadn't been released to Magic Online yeah. yet. <laughs> and I think they gave did they give you like two Stoneforge Mystics or something? Uh, can't quite remember. I, I don't know what it was, but it was like extra playable. It, the the <laughs> value was. All, basically worth it you lost very little money and i was like okay yeah, i'll just get into magic online <laughs> yeah so yeah let's let's i i would like to keep an eye on how death and taxes are doing because this theory that this is the time where it continues to be good checks out in my head um sounds like it checks out in your head uh let's see I wonder if the, like, the next step for the four-color Bond mid-range decks is to just like go all five-color, play City of Brass and Gemstone Mines and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, can you, can you imagine like you, you get Gemstone Mine and then you also get uh, Yavimaya, Cradle of Growth, so you never remove the last one and then you just like keep tapping it as a forest? Mm. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> That's really bad. <laughs> I think if you just tell Anirag that you're going to put Gemstone Mine in his control deck, he'll never talk to you again. <laughs> you it's know almost, if we ever build that with like five colors there's still gonna be like three to four basic lands I bet oh you. yeah of course <laughs> gemstone mine is the fourth land that you play jace with and you're like yeah <laughs> yeah and that, then you add black and now you finally get access to your virtuous ruins that's it's yes. about time so actually i keep piping the card i don't yeah. even own any <laughs> <laughs> no but like how would you attack death and taxes as a control deck like just take anorex as a control deck oh. Um, well, I mean, looking at this the obvious really thing hard. is to, yeah, I think the obvious thing, like like I mentioned, is to to have something that really punishes white, like like virtuous rune. But the, even mm. then, it's like awkward because they can pull some flickerless pricks and still stay in the game. I just, um, the, yeah. the one thing that people are trying right now is is to do something like torpor orb because it comes into play abilities. That's basically all the deck is. But mm. how, how does the deck actually get rid of torpor orb? You can't flicker this bit. You just play creatures. I guess you I guess. Can, no, you can't skycliff operation it. You just mm-hmm. play creatures, equipment, and attack. I mean, that's yeah. what control is supposed to be good against, right? Probably. Like you have the sagas as well to an extent. Torpor is very good against it. I'll give you that. Um, it's it's obviously like far from an auto win, but Torpor is step one to beating. I'm sure. Um, I also like a point I wanted to make earlier when starting to talk about death and taxes is despite anorag doing very well with this deck i think planeswalkers and especially play, like snowballing planeswalkers like jace that can carry on having the game under control they are dropping off like jace is pretty bad against delver and so it's just been played out less than jace was one of the absolute best cards against death and taxes especially when you can get rid of the eighth of Isles, like with prismatic ending i think jace is the card that can make control beat death and taxes so if Jason making a comeback, that's actually probably one of the best ways you can fight it. And then you, I guess you 
can fight over the sky cliff apparitions if you yeah. have to and even if it happens later after you've brainstormed it's okay yeah yeah i think like like looking at these two lists now the way i would beat death and, this death and taxes list with anorak's deck is i would um just play all the removal obviously like get a jace down keep it brainstorming and then you need to hard cast that shark typhoon to win that's that's your game plan i think Oh, <laughs> this, it's not exciting to me because I, I hate that kind of gameplay. It's so it's like the antithesis of what I want to do in Magic. I was just want to yeah. flick a wisp and carry on Ranger and untap and replay and yeah, that that's the extra sound I make when playing paper. <laughs> the apparitions, the solitude, and the swords and the crackers. You're just never. Well, you have to be very lucky to win with a row against death and taxes, I guess. And then there's one endurance. Yeah, it's not happening, cost. right? Yeah. So, it's so like actually, crazy. control just has to lean on hardcast shark typhoon because if you don't hardcast it, then it's just getting flicker wisps or solitude or swords as well. Ugh, yeah, tough. Yeah. So. Yeah, the biggest trap is just like trying to answer the creatures and stuff. Like even just Thalia and Caracas on the board is the biggest nightmare in the world. I recently played yeah. Diver again and was like, oh my god, I'm literally never beating that. I have to pay like four mana and lose a card to, to beat that. Violon 2, <laughs> Caracas, Thalia is just, wah. yeah. 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 <laughs> it's never happening. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So yeah, that that that's tons of decks I want to play. Like I'm I'm not even sure now. Like I even want to play High Tide again. Like it's been me too. Uh, yeah. t- literally ten years this October since the last time I played High Tide in a tournament. So sweet, so cool. I'm sure Marcus will get first next week, and then then you'll play. Sure. <laughs> One day. That, that's just like so many decks I want to play. So a little time to play. Absolutely. But yeah, I think we're, we're gonna wrap it up here. Uh, you're going to tell us next time which deck you actually picked for your for your tournament. Uh, mine's mm. still like a month away. So I, w- I won't actually be playing tomorrow. I'm just uh, overseeing and overseering. I'm going to bring a deck to play with people to the side. Do oh, you re- okay. You, you, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So if you want to support Everyday Channel, uh, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Helps us out a lot. Helps people find more podcasts about Legacy. I think just last month, two more of us started. I actually don't remember the names, but Legacy is the format that has the highest podcasts to active player ratio, right? I think that's how it goes. <laughs> so it's good that the format is like inspiring this kind of, of um, commitment and, and uh, creativity. And if you want to support that, give us, give us a five-star review there. And also... Consider joining the Patreon, patreon.com slash everydayeternal. Become part of our community. Watch all the awesome food that our patrons um, are making and posting to the Discord. And also, like, basically send us any of your questions and hang out with us there. So, yeah, that's that's the worst way I've ever tried to market that. <laughs> it's cool, guys, <laughs> I promise. There's there's people. We post decks, ask questions. <laughs> Love it. So yeah, that's <laughs> so thanks a lot to everybody who actually looks at the food and gives us the money and asks the questions, especially <laughs> our everyday eternal patrons on Eternal Witness tier level, Tommy Hinks, Testacular, Sebastian Hollager, Guillaume, Jake and Severin Schwarzhuber, and on Grizzlebrand tier, Victor Bernatzt, Batshubat, Scott Monroe, Jeremy Gates, Henrik Korkutz, Tom Hepp, Bill Schlichting, and Paragon Games in St. Louis, who recently got VPN premium. I think that's what it's called. Um, Paragon Games got the highest thing you can get as a star, like within the first year of being created. It's being run by our friend Scott Monroe. And that's that's quite the achievement because apparently like none of the other stars in a radius of 250, I think he calls it miles. That's just like this ancient way of measuring distances. It's, it's pretty far away to have that. So that's a really big deal. So if you're anywhere in that area, definitely check out Paragon Games. 
Awesome. So that's going to be it from us today. See you again next time. Have a great time and let us know which decks you want to be playing in Legacy right now because that's just like so many to pick from. Hit us up on at EternalMTG on Twitter and at EternalMTG on Instagram. Thank you so much, Callum. Thanks for coming on. Have a great time and see you again next time. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.